Jason, what's up? Sorry, um, you know, just one minute late. I was kind of transfixed by a video I saw on the Instagram platform. Okay, you were busy watching videos yet again like a teen. What uh, was is this something involving the succession finale? I know there's a lot of trouble going on with the hurricanes and stuff uh, and the tornadoes over in Kentucky. What what exactly were you checking in checking out? Well, th- there's there's a hurricane of coolness called the Island Boys that you're probably familiar with. Those two cool looking twins. Yeah, I've seen but those they, guys. There was a there's there's a TikTok that friend of the show academics reposted to his popular Instagram account <laughs> where they seem to be st- storming off of a podcast set. That and, and then I believe it's Jake Paul's oh, podcast, oh. which I didn't know. I didn't know he he had one, but it looks like you know. I'm just I'm just thinking, you know, how lucky we are that we've never had a guest storm off of 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 our podcast. We've come close. They know who they are, but it, it's unfortunate that Jake Paul literally <laughs> his he probably makes more money from his podcast than Mark Maron does. Oh no, question no easily, hyperbole. and he's having get he and he's having guests like the Island Boys who <laughs> are, are probably they don't they don't have a great grasp of the English language, <laughs> you know. So it's a it's a challenging listen. The Island Boys are like, I admit it, the the podcasting medium is not our strongest suit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're we're more into Instagram video where we just look at the camera. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really crazy though that every you know, I guess five to 10 years, you know, we had the ATL twins. Mm-hmm. Now we have the Island boys. The through line is clear. There's always a, 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 a pair of white tatted up people who seem to have fallen through the cracks. And, you know, it doesn't, I mean, they, mm-hmm. I feel like the Island boys, they probably have some money, like their family has money, but they just, they somehow went, went the wayside. Yeah. They, I don't think the Island boys are really from the gutter, but what I want to ask you is, as a twin, mm-hmm. does this bother you that you kind of miss this revenue stream with your brother? Chris? As a tatted up twin, both of us are tatted up. Uh, <laughs> nothing on the face. <laughs> do I do I regret not capitalizing financially on my twin status? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think there's 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 a big revenue stream that you kind of left on the table, and these guys, the Island Boys, you know, are illiterate and eating your lunch at the same time. The, the so problem must, is when you capitalize double. on a twin situation, it's short money, not long money. You got sister, sister. Where are those where are those heifers now? Well, let's not don't don't bring Simi. Where you know the ATL twins? What what bridge are those guys living under right now? I bet the ATL twins have more money than you right now. <laughs> no way. Let me, let me put, yeah, let me off rip. I bet because because the ATL twins they could have done a classic move where they returned to the streets. Oh, and, got and, it, got it, got it. And maybe I mean their money might not be clean, but it, mm-hmm. it, it might be long. The problem is the the ATL twins are much cooler than we realize. Yeah, very cool. Um, like deep down, but. I don't know what happened. Maybe it's just drugs and crime. We're more. Bad. I think we're more of a Claremont Twins podcast. If we had to choose, who has really be, been a twin other than Mary Kate and Ashley? Those are the only people. Mary Kate and Ashley are the greatest twins of all time. But what a toll they've put on their on their mental and their body. How many Marlboro red cartons are they going through collectively? The bodies look pretty good to me. Those beautiful clothes hang nicely off those skeletal fl- frames. I know, but the clock be ticking. No, they're the only people who have really made it, but I, I, I want those Olsen twins to retire and get into more of a barefoot contessa type of situation <laughs> where they can just get comfy and get cozy, get off the hamster wheel that we call fashion media you know yeah. just 
I feel like that could happen for them, actually. I mean, they've already lived so much life. I think a third chapter. They've lived so much life, man. Of ba- barefoot contessing in, in East Hampton. Exactly. It's just like when I, I'm, I'm like going through my day and I'm like, oh, man, I feel like I'm all done. You know, mentally, physically, I'm I, I'm spent, but it's only like three o'clock. But then I have to remind myself, oh yeah, I woke up at like five, and exactly. I, you know, so I really have put in an eight-hour day. You know, when when the Olsen twins hit thirty, they're like, I feel a sense of being done because I started working. Yeah, they've done it all thirty years ago. I came out the womb and saying, and I said, line. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what the, <laughs> that's what them twins is up to. Well, we can get into more of that with our guests, you know, uh, a, f- a fellow member of the filmmaking community. Yeah, I love when I talk. We were able to to get on the horn with fellow members of the filmmaking community. Um, I because I, I think that you know our guest today, he's a busy guy. He's done a lot of stuff, but I wonder just because it's getting down to the wire, you know. And I know you have this this Hendrix holiday campaign. Mm-hmm. Is it something you might want to see if he's interested in taking on as as a director? I have. Yeah, we are we are shooting most. <laughs> the primary stuff tomorrow so it's going to be a super tight turnaround i i worry that because of mike's um accolades yeah through through the years um as a member of the screen actors guild and aftra and all that stuff he's I'm, i'm guessing he's probably a union guy and you know the turnaround time you know i don't want to get my hands in that you know both of us are known union busters of course yeah i mean everyone for I, themselves is sort of our yeah we, you know, we are, if, you're, if you're not getting health care just do better yeah i'll cross i'll cross any picket line especially if it benefits me in any way and it's good that we're recording this now when he will have it'll be too late and already up and he can't say <laughs> yeah. i refuse to do the show well i think that i think the thing with once you're nominated for an oscar I think you have to be in a guild for that. I don't think you can get nominated oh, for an Oscar. Got it. Right, right. If if I want to buy something on the real real, I have to create an account. That's just there's no other. You, you have know, to some, register some things. Yeah. Once you you can go to a certain point and check out as a guest, but certain things mm-hmm. higher level, you know, jewelry, things like that. Hodinky. Exactly. If you if you want to get that that AP on Hodinky, yeah, you got to register. We're creating an account. There's a two step verification process, most likely. I'm I'm so sick of two step verification. I could throw my phone through a fucking wall. I, <laughs> oh. I have to, to. I mean, we talk about this all the time. To log into anything, you got to get a text. It's just like I'm using a computer, not a phone. I don't like when those two things cross streams. Wow, this old motherfucker. You know, I mean, that's the whole point of a two step verification. But the the problem for you is most people like care about their security online and and your philosophy is a is a rare but a refreshing one which is take my shit i don't care fuck it you want to buy a john deere tractor on my ebay account for 17 grand take it the good (laughs) people at amex will sort it out i don't give a fucking flying shit when you work with people at amex you know they're so great to us and they're 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 willing to refund any charges you know Mm -hmm. anything when tj cleared out the mini bar in philadelphia on a drunken night you know i was i was able to receive that 165 dollars back in my account within 24 hours i did have to um unfortunately destroy some footage (laughs) but you had to get you had to go downstairs and 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 put a towel over the security guy's face and pa- and make him pass out and then steal the tape. One sixty five is one sixty five, brother. I, t- I told you I was like I think we can afford it, but you said not today mm-hmm. and kind of kind of went on your merry way. Um, but yeah, we should we should talk about our guest today. Our guest today is um, acclaimed 
uh, director, uh, writer, uh, graphic designer, even uh, Mike Mills. Mike Mills, uh, you know his films. Um, Beginners, which is a classic, 20th Century Women, another classic, and his most recent film, Come On, Come On, uh, is in theaters now. But our dog, Mike, has been grinding in the underground, Jason, for a, a, a multitude of years, uh, working on graphic design, which is obviously our passion for the Beastie Boys, Beck, Sonic Youth, They Might Be Giants, Air, Old Dirty Bastard. Uh, I mean, he's done graphics for X-Girl for Mark Jacobs. Uh, he also directed a, a short film last year, I believe, um, called I'm Easy to Find with The National, one of my favorite bands. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done uh, directed music videos and created music videos for, I don't know, Moby, Yoko Ono, Air, <laughs> uh, and I worked mean, with other uh, other bands for album covers and, and other artwork for BC Boys, Beck, Sonic Youth, Old Dirty Bastard, the name, the list goes on. The list really does go on. And, and I mean, Mike even did OG Supreme graphics for all you dorks listening. Um, oh, shit. And now he's done it all. But I also think Mike does an incredible job of capturing, like, California. Mm-hmm. He's a Cali boy. He's because he's he's from Berkeley. He's lived. He's famously like an L.A. guy. He's been here for a long time. But I think that a, a through line in his movies is kind of these beautiful California spaces, you know, uh, that, that feel yeah. that feel like lived in um, and realistic, but also like perfectly put together. Um, which, mm. which is, you know, Jason, that takes a director's eye. This, this guy was putting in work in Silver Lake before it turned into the nightmare that it is now. I don't know if he still lives in the same crib that he did before, but. Nah, he had to sell that. He had to unload that and make a little cash and get out to South Pass. There, there's no way. You think we'll get, well, I don't know. You think he moved out to South Pass? You think, you think Mills is, is valet parking the Tesla at the APC store on Sunset? I don't. I think he's, I think he's <laughs> moved, I think he's moved on to, to greener pastures but we're gonna find out because this is to me like i said he really does represent la in a a way that like i just feel like other people don't he really captures it in a way that like Mm -hmm. i think if you live here you really recognize the archetype that he's kind of put into the Mm -hmm. zeitgeist Mm -hmm. you know if it wasn't for him i don't know if biodiesel would exist jason and that's something (laughs) yeah if it wasn't for him the the architectural mind of neutra and and And, uh, you know, the furniture design of EMs I would not. Yeah. If, if it wasn't for Mike Mills, I, I'm going to confront him now. Those EMs Reeboks might not have happened if he wouldn't have made all these great movies. <laughs> so it's kind of something we need to talk about. We need to talk about with him today. But uh, he also is, is kind of a uh, the, the, the Desner brothers from National actually did the music for Come On, Come On. And he's he's got. You know, and and Gabby Hoffman in the movie is wearing a Minutemen shirt, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always some nice uh, music cues as well. The guy loves music, you know, he, and he loves music that's actually good, unlike you. So I hope you guys are able to relate. Mm. On he he is a Talking Heads fan, Chris. Oh, that's big old. I think that's his favorite band. Maybe that's that's probably true. That's probably true. Mm-hmm. We can't agree on everything. What are you doing over there? Um, there's currently uh, <laughs> construction going on in the hallway. So, oh, hold on. Know. I'm sorry, Jason. Is is our podcast interrupting you getting your skylight installed today? It it definitely <laughs> is, Chris. Oh wow, that's that must be nice, guys. I just want you to know that this podcast is only doing okay. Um, I I think <laughs> I think Jason negotiated a pretty great deal on his skylight installation. Uh, well, it's it's like I said before, Chris. It's not a skylight. It's a sky tube. Where instead of <laughs> instead of being like you know a three foot 
long rectangle. Yes. Yeah, it's this more is of a, more of a 14 inch diameter tube that will go into. Okay, we have a we have a corner of our hallway. It's a little know, dark. It's dark. There's no windows. Just the way the way that Neutra laid it out, he didn't think of everything <laughs> in terms of where the windows are hitting the morning light yeah. and as well as the afternoon yeah. light, which is kind of important for uh, California's magic hour. So we're gonna have to put in a 14 inch tube in the ceiling, and you know he's got the saws all out. We have to move some recess lighting around it's uh you know so is this a one-day project or is this a multi-day project it should be a one-day project yeah but that that time that that one day that is happening is on a monday when we don't do podcasts but we are doing a podcast today so you had to move uh you know i had to you know joaquin is his schedule is as busy as ours so luckily with ableton live i'm able to and, and he could definitely hear me saying all this right now he's like so we can shoot around we can we can shoot around your schedule is what we're saying well i'm able i'm able to clean up his his hammer pounding and post okay because i i don't want you to I, I don't want there to be anything like kind of obscuring us talking because that's kind of the whole point of the podcast so if um that's a that's a that's a good tip for recording well i think something we've I, i've learned from the jake paul video i just saw is that you know because they were they're recording their podcast outdoors poolside oh, okay which is maybe some, maybe that's something we should look into once once the weather kind of takes a turn for the better here in la i think that's smart all the biggest podcasts record outdoors because the sound <laughs> yes, is so much better so, <laughs> it takes me back to our sam hine episode where he was in shelter island and we could hear the birds chirping and <laughs> And I was like, bro, are you outside? And he was like, yeah, of course. Like, we were idiots. You know, sometimes it works. It depends on what our noise bed floor is, but we don't want to get into that. No, we don't. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's give, um, let's give Mike a, a jingle and, um, get into it. Jason's doing some home improvements today. So if you hear any banging, it's his contractor. Yeah, I'll clean it up in post. So the final product, when you listen back tomorrow, it won't even be there. Um, if you're banging over here, it's just my soul. <laughs> okay, okay. God damn it. <laughs> For off off rip, Mike, are you using your child's computer? This this happens to me a few times where the Zoom name comes up as someone else's. It's still, I mean, my kid can hack my computer in so many ways. This is leftover from Zoom school last year, and they it just I can't get it to ever. <laughs> stay as my name. At least there's not. Okay, once uh, during pandemic i had to meet an actor like this and i had a goatee and like red lips <laughs> emoji thing i know how to get most of them off but they figured out this kind of deeper level <laughs> and as and the, and the light was going down and so I was, my lips are just getting redder and redder and luckily the actor had a good sense of humor Damn. so you're saying the whole call you had a, an emoji face is what you're saying I had, yeah <laughs> And before, I mean, usually, no, usually it starts off with What kind many, of sick game is this, Mike? That's what this actor was saying. Many, I start off with many emoji faces. I know how to get most of them off, but the goatee and the red lips mm-hmm. were like on like three levels down. I, I was wondering if the goatee, if the goatee was artist's own. I feel like you've probably yeah. had a goatee since you were really coming of age in the 90s. No, I wasn't that kind of guy. Can you tell me? Can you tell us what you think that kind of guy is? Because I think we all. Well, that's have- the more that's the PNW guy with the flannel and all that, right? So in the ninety, the nineties was a little bit more for your era, maybe baby faced, kind of tight vintage T corduroys kind of vibe. That's sort of like a Talking Heads channel I'm hearing from you, <laughs> but I'm definitely I'm much more David Byrne than Kurt Cobain. 
Let's put it that way. Uh-huh. I think I sometimes equate the goatee to like a 90s, you know, haughty leather jacket leading man, you know, wine on a rider on the arm. Ethan Hawk kind of vibe. Hawk, oh, I see, I see. Hawk's done some major go- – Hawk is one of the guys that has pulled off the goatee best historically, I think. It's a very difficult <laughs> move. <laughs> With thin face maybe helps. Um, but uh, – um, you know, I really associate it with like Seattle, Portland. Yeah, as part of the Nirvana diaspora. <laughs> Nirvana diaspora. Those are, those are two good words together. So, are you are you still yeah. in the in the same crib you've been in for a while over in Silver Lake, or we have we have we gone over to South Pass? I am. Uh, my office is in Silver Lake, which is where I am now. My house is in Silver Lake. Okay. My kid went to school in South Pass for a minute, but now is not. So I I. I don't do the Pasadena often. Okay. No offense. We were we were debating this. No, no, we were I'm debating taken. this before you came on because I thought maybe as the OG of Silver Lake, I thought maybe the property value had skyrocketed. You got in at the top of the market. I did. You took the Tesla. I did. You took the Tesla to, oh, you did. Okay, okay. No, I bought my house in '99. Can never afford it now. Oh, I can never afford it now. Oh, baby. So I did luck out. I think I think I've been to your house before, and I don't remember whom with. But it was it was probably a long time ago. Maybe it was with like you may you may have definitely not been there. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, there there has been a lot of you know a lot of crime and home invasions in the news. I just want to let you know I was not there to rob or anything like that. My car gets broken into regularly in my driveway. Like what monthly? Yeah. Really? I also am bad at locking it. Okay. Well, that's the kind of thing where once it gets broken into enough, you leave it unlocked, but the the assailant doesn't check for that and just busts the window. And yeah, but no, there's the no window busting. They just they just do the door, but then they leave the door ajar. So I guess they don't. And I caught him once when my kid was a baby, and I was up at three in the morning with the baby. You know? Oh my god! And I and I yelled at them like I like limbic brain was left <laughs> out, and I like my most macho goatee version of myself just like screamed at these like teenagers. Or in my car, and um, but once in a while I'll find a drink. Did they scatter? Yeah, they scattered. A drink? Yeah, they scattered. They ran down the hill, and when they're about four hundred feet away, I can hear them start laughing. <laughs> that that hurt almost for me. <laughs> That's salt on the wound. <laughs> yeah. You're saying they leave a they leave like a vodka soda in the in the- no no no. So once once more than once maybe back in the day in '99 there used to be a lot of cruising in my neighborhood. Yeah, and 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 paying off of the cruise in my neighborhood. <laughs> A lot of like condoms in the street and all that good stuff. <laughs> and anyway, so once in a while I'd find, I'd get in my car and be like, why does it smell like cigarette smoke? Oh no. And, and then I would see like a drink, like the leftovers of a margarita in my, in my cup holder. <laughs> and that's really disturbing. Cause like, what happened? It's, so it's been, li- it's been what? lived in. What happened in this car? It felt, it felt a little, it felt a little lived that's in. That's definitely, Damn. that's, that's getting complicated. How, how does that feel when you have, you know, I mean, I don't obviously, <laughs> You know, you if you bought your home, you know, what is that, 20 years ago? More than 20 years ago? Yeah, in dog years, yes. In a, in a nice, you know, desirable neighborhood, and you're dealing with people breaking into your car and just living in it for a night on a constant basis? Does that ever make you want to leave and go somewhere else? No. It's one of the cooler parts of my neighborhood. It's like a little bit of life. My neighbor is really, my neighborhood started off like I could afford it and it, and it was more bohemian or something, oh, whatever. Yeah. Not, not like Silver Lake. I remember when the first time I heard Silver Lake used <laughs> in that way. And I was like, what are yeah. people talking about? Like, 
backdoor bakery? Like, what are they talking about? Like, there's, what are they talking about? <laughs> and it was used, it had the derision built in already, like the, the like jealousy and derision all, mm-hmm. you know, stewed together. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, I guess that's my neighborhood, but it's true. My whole life, it's very incriminating. <laughs> no, but I think I said this before. I think you like you're the original. You kind of own it, and I think like any neighborhood in any city, this is what happens. You know what I mean? Things just eventually change, and um, you can't really be mad at that. I feel like that's just like the the natural order of things in in a lot of ways. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, when I moved in, I had, so I I got my house. I I stayed at my friend. Claire Crespo's house for years around the corner. So I just literally walked around the corner to open house and found my house. <laughs> so there's a whole crew of people who are here earlier that sort of, yeah. let's call it the Beck diaspora was here. Uh-huh. And, and, <laughs> and a little Elliot Smithy in there, maybe. Yeah, sure. Elliot Smith adjacent okay. Beck diaspora main, you know, and, um, <laughs> and everyone, everyone, all my friends, it is true. All my friends I'm thinking of who lived here who are truly the OGs. They all knew Beck in some fashion. Mm-hmm. And I think Beck lived here, right? Didn't he? I'm sure. At some I'm point. Sure. Anyways, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Anyways, they all they all really treated me like a gentrifier for the amount that I paid for my house and <laughs> as just a lame-o. <laughs> and um so anyways, I've had both sides of the experience. But I love it. It's a it's a great neighborhood. It's really like I I have a yard and shit and there's coyotes and my car gets broken into. What more, more could you ask for in a neighborhood? Is it is it worse that this like your great. your neighborhood is sort of being torn down and remodeled and they're putting in these giant McMansions with that's not really happening like that what you just described there's a lot of um remodels yeah that are like pretty like tear it down to the foundation and then and then it's more of an aesthetic crime yeah, than yeah. a financial one for me because it's just like ugh, it's just like this expensive mediocritizing thing but then obviously we're joking, but like there's such a crazy homeless problem here in Silver Lake and all of Los Angeles that is um, ever making these jokes uh, pretty criminal, really, because like, it's, yeah, it's sure. quite gnarly. You also make movies, too? Supposedly. I mostly <laughs> just live here. Yeah. Making movies is just a weird way to get to live here. It's part of the, you know, the, the, the fee. Yeah. We thought, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was under the impression. I thought you were I thought you were kind of like a real estate guy, but I guess <laughs> yeah. you're a director. Oh, that's cool too. I mean, that's cool too. It's a side gig. You gotta have. You gotta pretend that you're doing something so you look cool when you eat a Botanica. You know. <laughs> Actually, before before we get into your film, I did want to talk to you. Speaking of Botanica, of sort of like the the proto Silver Lake hipster restaurants of your era, like in '99. That was that was before our time in in Silver Lake. Uh, Backdoor Bakery. Do you, do you guys know about? I that? remember back. So that that was on that was on Silver Lake Boulevard, right? No, no, you're right. It was on Silver Lake, and it was right by Nettie's. Do you remember? Do you remember Nettie's on the corner there? So Nettie's was my jam. So when I first started coming to LA from New York, and I was working doing film, doing you know ads and videos, and staying at Claire Crespo's house and I was at Satellite, you know, the production company. Mm-hmm. So Satellite got me like a crazy, like a, like a, like a meal ticket at Nettie's, which was so nice. And I would just walk down to Nettie's, it was like my cafeteria and Nettie was there. And it was, I do miss that version of Silver Lake. It was just a little more accessible on like a lot of levels. And and there was great food. But do you think that, do you think that anything like that exists in LA anymore? Because even somewhere like Highland Park is already torched to me. 
Like, you know what I mean? I don't know if that if that's able to exist. Yeah. Well, there's lots of neat pockets I find of little things. Um, but whatever, this is all so incriminating because um, we're all talking about our t- we're talking about our our three white guys taste, right? And our sure, our sort of sure. privilege our privilege taste bubble. We haven't even brought up we haven't even brought up sweet green yet, Mike. Wait, just sweet wait. green. I feel like uh, I don't actually don't feel incriminated by sweet green because I don't go there. But but I am still very incriminated by Botanico because I love Botanica and I love everyone that works there and I love the restaurant and me and my kid go there and like it's like our yep. we go there a lot. So I'm guilty as charged. It's your local, it's your local eatery. That's okay. Well, so I can walk, I can walk there and they're really nice to my kid and my kid like folds their napkin sometimes. And you know what I mean? It's like, it's like a kind of a family place. And I know the people who run it just, just from going there a lot. Well, it sounds like you've kept up the, the neighborhood vibe that you're looking for in your own way, which is yeah, yeah. the whole idea. No, I do. I mean? It's a great place to live. It's really, I was just talking about it. To my kid. <laughs> you were living, you were living in New York before you can't, you, you, you grew up in the, in San Francisco, but then you, or Berkeley or whatever, but then you went to New York. I grew up, I was born in Berkeley, grew up in Santa Barbara, and then went to New York when I was 18 and lived there for 15 years. And I'm kind of dying to get back, to be honest. Hell yeah. I love to hear that. As a person who recently decided to get an apartment in LA, but kept mine in New York, you have to go tap in. It's more, I've never felt more drawn to New York. Since I like the, before spending all this time in LA, it's like so necessary. <laughs> and my my kid is um uh, uh non-binary, non-gender conforming, mm-hmm. and there's just so many great. I don't know. There's so much more diversity yeah. of people that you just walk through all day long, and I, I do really miss that and just the density. And I, I there's great things about both, obviously, but I'm dying to. And trying to have some New York, I have to say. I've been going there a lot for the movie. And I think also it's just the, our pandemic years, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. so dying to go anywhere. Me and Hopper, my kid, were talking about it all the time. And we both talk about New York City. And it really kind of came, flourished in my heart or whatever. Just all the stuff you can do there just really sang to me. And then going and like showing my film at New York Film Festival and all that. I was like, right, this like showing your film at Alice Tully Hall. New York Film Festival, I'm sorry, that's the highest stage. That's like, mm-hmm. that's just the bomb. Yeah, you, you got to film there and then come back yeah. and then show it. And then that's sort of like, you know, the nice little rap party in its own. Yeah, yeah. Or a little tie, a nice little bow on it. So when you were filming in New York, how long, uh, how long were you guys there for? Two plus weeks, two and a half weeks, something like that. Mm-hmm. But then all the prep, right? So you're constantly going back and forth and a couple of weeks of prep before that. So it felt intense or whatever our shooting in new york is always feels like double time or dog years or something like you just a lot of stuff happens and in your shoot day i I mean i've shot there i've always had a day at least of my films there of my uh, every film i've done has (laughs) ended up in new york which is kind of i think a sign of my feelings about it but um it was really fun to be there for that long and to really get into it and really do a feature there and or part of a feature. And I, I loved it. And we did a lot of like, you know, you put up the signs on the other side of the street and yeah. you just yeah. let it rip and you're on a long lens and Joaquin's really good at like, I'm not the droid you're looking for. So all those shots where he's in the streets, those are not controlled. And we go to Scar's Pizza, those are just strangers coming in and out of Scar's Pizza. And we're across the street on a lens, on a longer lens. Yeah, that's and pretty, no that's pretty wild. That's pretty so wild. So fun. I mean, 
I think yeah. that's the difference of New York a little bit. There is that kind of respect that's just like, even if you notice what's going on, you just leave it alone because you know that you'd be disrupting something. Well, I don't know if it's called respect. It's just like <laughs> disregard. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the flow of these humans. Uh, the crazy thing is the paparazzi. Do you know the paparazzi thing in New York? I've heard about the paparazzi. Unfortunately, Mike, they don't chase me yet, but I'm working <laughs> to get there. Th- thanks to this podcast, you know, we're getting close to that. So yeah, I know I know about the paparazzi in LA. They haven't treated me well, but what's uh what's the difference in New York? <laughs> well, in LA I've never seen them personally or anything. In New York, when you're shooting out on the streets, somehow they know where you are at all times and they know all the rules, they know all the laws. So if you're on the street, they can come up and be standing between me and my DP and just chatting doing whatever they want that's the law (laughs) and they know that and they're just like they're just shooting the brains out of your film which you don't want to release imagery of you're just like so wildly out of control and there's two guys that are twins and they're kind of nice and there's this other guy i think his name is steve and everyone knows him they're like these really intense characters Uh, yeah and i just made it my mission to make friends with steve and i was like steve you have a job and i have a job you know and i totally respect your job like we're both just working right we're just we're both just part of the capitalism cogs and machines <laughs> and i have this kid like can you back off a little bit just when i have the kid like he's he's 10 and like just give me a hand here and yeah. i'll tell you where we're at tomorrow i'll tell you you know steve you want to go get something from crafty you know yeah you know, you, you know you butter him up your, a little bit you need to do your thing and and we had like a nice little heart to heart it was very new york style it's like kind of like you know it's like <laughs> here are the facts um yeah but anyways i never had i never experienced anything like that before. That does not happen. Yeah, in, in LA, it's like we're shooting here. You have the permit secured. There's two PAs with walkies on the on the next block over who's saying, like, "Oh, you can't walk here." Yeah, no one could ever get anywhere near you or Video Village or whatever in New York. That's kind of what is fun about New York is just like yeah, the safety net's gone. And like, if you want to shoot here, this is what comes along with. Yeah, it. it's more wild. The only thing. place I see paparazzi consistently is outside of the Bowery Hotel. That's the only place in New York that you see five guys almost all the time. But my preferred, I prefer the autograph hunters because I didn't know that was still a profitable <laughs> business. I know. Well, they come after me, right? A little bit, not a lot, but I'll get them like when I leave a film festival thing, you know, and I'm like, how much money could you possibly make enough of this? Like, I mean, I can't, I can't sell it. I can't sell it for fucking anything. What are you? I don't understand. So do they, do they hand you like an eight by 10 headshot yeah. from you from really? like 2001? <laughs> Sotheby's is going to start making some big bids on this. Often they're, I, it doesn't happen a lot, right? Like I'm, I'm sure. Obviously yeah. I'm not really like in this game, but I'm just surprised when it does happen. And usually it's like something from that, what do you call it? Like that cycle, like it's a fairly current picture, always horrible, always like makes you want to call your therapist and get some help about the self-esteem thing and that you just signed it and like pushed it back out in the world. It's like, Oh, this is good. But yeah, but that's even, it's really, it's a funny indicator of what's happening in the independent film world because when I did Thumbsucker, it would happen a lot. Like they knew where the hotels were. They knew everything. Interesting. And it's just gone down and down and down and down. So I think it's a it's an index of what's going on in the film industry, actually. I believe that. I find that they're yeah. I mean, I've always wondered because I see them waiting outside of the of the Bowery, and, and you know, it's usually actors or actresses and like Saturday Night Live, you know, or whatever. But I'm always like, yeah, yeah. I just can't imagine the profitability on like a Marvel movie person signed photo. 
I mean, you gotta. It just seems like a lot of work for a little bit of payoff. That, that's all I'm saying. It just doesn't seem profitable. What about like emo, well-intentioned white guy filmmaker? I mean, like, like I mean, what <laughs> can we find out what they make? Because it's gotta be like, it's gotta be like ten dollars. Or they're just waiting. They're waiting for my Oscar nom, and then they're gonna cash in. And then I'm sorry, oh. guys. I'm sorry, guys. It's not gonna happen. So like, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna uh, try harder. It's an investment. It's like it's like crypto. You know, uh, I'm buying this. You gotta sit on this, it. This photo, an autograph. I mean, uh, and also, Mike, I I can only imagine your autograph is is a little bit more dazzling than the average Joe. It's gone mm-hmm. pretty wackazoid. It's it's just like a it's like a it's like a angry worm at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, angry room. All right, well, why well, we we should probably talk about your film. Come on, come on. We oh why? But why? We, okay, well, yeah. because because I was told that you uh, you wanted us to watch the film before oh, right. we talked to you, right. and we were uh, and the sorry. good people at a twenty four. Good people at a twenty four were nice enough to. Send, I, I felt like a legitimate uh, member of the media pulling up uh, an image on my Samsung smart TV that had my. <laughs> First and last name, watermarked into it tastefully. Oh, wow. A little tough to see with the black and white film. I don't know if you wanted to take that into consideration for your next picture. Yeah, that seems like something you did on purpose. Some of the key moments, the gray on gray was tough. Was a tough read, and I don't know if oh, wow. you, can you make it color? Yeah, I'll work on it. And then the DJ wouldn't let me do the color this time. I didn't pay enough for my quarterly stuff so this is this you have to prove yourself up. a little bit further my health insurance went down i don't have dental anymore and i can't do color films so, but i'm gonna work on it i'm gonna i'm gonna get my days and i'm gonna get back into color I well I, w- I would say watching this film and it, w- it was a beautiful film and i enjoyed watching it on a, on a lazy sunday afternoon yesterday uh, and the main thing it kind of the the first thing that struck out to me was it made me jealous or it reminded me of of a feeling that I had when I was younger being jealous of other people's childhoods or families where their their parents or their families were like very interesting and emotionally open with their their children and I think that's like a a thing that Chris and I may have not grown up with quite as much. Our parents are very sweet, loving, amazing people, but you know, watching a little nine-year-old have this adult conversation with somebody and discussing real-life emotional yeah, things, not... I was like, fuck, I wish I had that. Do you guys want to talk? Do you, there's anything you want to talk about? Because I'm here <laughs> for you. Damn right. What's your, what's your Venmo? <laughs> I think it's funny. As I've gotten older, as I've gotten older, you're able to have more of those conversations with your parents than you were when you were when you were younger. But that it doesn't hit the same because you're on you know mm. a more equal footing or, or a seemingly more equal footing. Yeah, sure. But I do think that kids today, at least the ones that I have access to, which obviously isn't a lot, they are a little more. <laughs> I, I, depending on the parents, of course, but I do think that they're a little more willing to talk about this stuff uh, than maybe our generation was. Because of films like this? <laughs> they see, see it in places. The line, yeah. when you go to, yeah, come on in the theaters, the line of kids isn't long. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm old, like, I'm, I'm 55, I'm older than you guys. Yeah, we're, we're like 40, yeah. You know, there's a difference, right, between our childhoods, I would guess, a little bit. Yeah, I, sure. I feel that. I feel that even like, yeah. yeah, I feel that when people in their forties, like there's a little hair difference, I could, but I can sense it. I think that kids these days, um, a lot because of their parents, I do really find it to be that therapy has become so mainstream yeah. that there are a lot of benefits. I, I really believe, and I believe in the positivity of a lot of that. 
And then a lot of parenting and even like infant, infant stuff. Like our kid was born at Good Samaritan Hospital, downtown LA. It's like very mm-hmm. not fancy hospital, you know, and very, we were like one of the few white people in the, in the NICU when we were there. And, um, like they're like, you must breastfeed. It is good for 800 different reasons. Like they know, like mm-hmm. this amount of intelligence about children's health, children's mental health, children's immunity, all that kind of stuff. I find uh, so radically different than the world I grew up in, obviously. And even to say, I feel like most of my friends were like from 35 to 55. Like we, we grew up in a really different universe. And what our kids learn in school, like my kids learn in school from social justice stuff to emotional intelligence stuff is, is really wildly more expansive and kind of interesting, I find. Yeah. And then what, what I was trying to get at in the film is like, often my kid will come at me from a more therapized, more emotionally intelligent angle than I have, you know, and they're nine. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you Judah flipping me right now about my honesty? <laughs> like we, we just had this experience where um, we were hiking in this, in this sketchy hill, really steep hill. And they were, they were goofing around and having fun. And, and I kept like, you know, don't, joke around don't 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 flail on this steep hill and my kid said you don't trust me and i was like of course i trust you sweetie of course i trust you and they go no you don't stop saying you do it's making me feel crazy i was like holy shit you just called me out on gaslighting like you just you just described gaslighting so well and like god bless them they were completely right you know and all i could do is just say like oh my god you were so right i am sorry like you were like you just described it perfectly. I'm so impressed that you could say that. And and I am doing that and I'm sorry. So anyway, stuff like that happens all the time in my life. And that was part of what I was trying to give like Johnny and Jesse's deal, or you know, part of the the rich pageant of parent parenting that I was like trying to get at a bit. Yeah, and I noticed that a lot, right? I, I took a note when um you know, when he, the, the child who is, he's also nine years old or yeah, more or yeah. less, right? Yeah. The same age as your actual child. So there are some parallels with your life perhaps in this film. Yeah. But yeah. there's, there's a moment where he, they're kind of like giving each other advice or dialogue or they're talking about each other through a microphone kind of indirectly and they're listening to each other. And uh, there, you can kind of see a moment where the, the child is giving him advice about, you know, come on, come on, uh-huh. you know, just keep, just keep going. And there's kind of a look in Joaquin's eyes where only he could do where he's like, I'm being taught something by a fucking nine year old. That's a feeling that he may have been experiencing for the first time in his life. Mm-hmm. And like, what, yeah, what does that, what does that feel like the first time when your spawn teaches you something you know a wise a wise successful intelligent man who's 55 you're like a fucking nine-year-old just like taught me something yeah big. dude people need my autograph and it's worth money <laughs> let's get this straight let's just start off the conversation with with this fact yeah i love spawn too i've never thought of them as spawn <laughs> jason's a big co- a big comic book guy he, he likes to show off sometimes uh, i see it Cool. Um, the thing is that it doesn't just happen once. It's constantly happening because they're constantly at a new level and constantly kind of re-showing you this new software that they acquired that you didn't get the notification of <laughs> and uh, and shifting all around what they're interested in, what's valuable or what, what, what they 
can articulate. So it's always, you're always a novice, you know, or I feel like every, at, at the beginning when they're younger, it's like, it could be like every person has been weaponized in a new way or you just figured out the rules or how it works. And then poof, like there's all these new rules. So that's constantly the feeling. So like in the script, I did make him an uncle to get it away from being so much about me and my kid. Cause it's the first time mm-hmm. I did something that was based on someone who's alive and a child. And that stopped me for years because I didn't have to do it without like just crossing all their privacy boundaries or mm-hmm. casting too strong a shadow across their path. Right. But then the uncle thing stayed or worked because it's, that's actually how it feels being biological dad. You're like constantly not knowing what you're doing. Uh, I've heard that mm-hmm. before from other fathers, you know, that not not my own yeah. so for some reason, but other fathers I've heard from. <laughs> if you want me to talk to him, I can do that too. It's part of my service. Um, uh, but it's really true. It sounds like a truism or something, but it's um, it's pretty wild, and it kind of does really make you reassess the world all the time in, in different weird ways. And it's been one of the most challenging interesting like challenging makes it sound like just hard but like challenging as also like paradigm exploding uh day-to-day experiences i've ever had challenging is good <laughs> this is the because this is the first movie you've made since since having a child though right? no no uh 20th they were born in the middle of of writing that script oh it was the middle okay 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 and, okay. and then that took so that. long too they were like three i remember being like my kid is three could, why isn't this movie done? You know, like, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, well, do you, so if, if, if you had a, your child later in life by normal standards, was there a part of you when you were younger, maybe in your thirties or forties, or I mean, I guess, you know, thirties where you're like, you know, I don't see a need to have a child or I don't have a desire to have a child. Did something shift or was it just, you were busy and life caught up with you? <laughs> was busy. No, I wanted it the whole time. I wanted it bad. Okay. I wanted also to be in a relationship the whole time. Oh, okay. That, and that part, so getting the relationship part was the was the part that slowed it all down or stopped it. And then both my parents dying in my 30s, it's like kind of, that's a lot. And I don't know, you just like, you just like altered states, you know, hitting the walls of the hallway, you know, and transforming yourself over and over again. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of that that went on in that when a lot of people find themselves in their relationship and all that. So, so that took me, I, I met my person when I was like 39, you know, and then we had Hopper when I was 46. So all that did come later, mm-hmm. but no, I would, I would have been happy. I've been, I've been like a 40 year old man since I was about 13. Yeah. You look, you look great for your age. <laughs> now, I'm going, now it's going inverse. That's like, it's, the, it's like a reverse mortgage now or I'm <laughs> like 55 and I'm a 40 year old man. He's back on his realtor shit. Well, yeah. I, I think yeah. that, you know, what, what, once you, once you get a little bit older and you know, you, you don't really have a lot of those sort of like simplified, super emotional, just very clear conversations with your friends or family the way that you would with the child. You know, how important do you think it is to have to have a child of your own to have these kind of elementary or simplified conversations that really just like cut through everything? Oh, well, not at all. I mean, you can everyone's life is completely different, right? And there's so many parents who aren't finding it as fun as I am. <laughs> and uh, uh, and I would hate to 
you know, I have so many friends who aren't going to have kids who have completely rich paradigm exposing lives in their own different ways. And they do a lot. Thank you for, thank you for noticing me, Mike. I appreciate (laughs) it. No, I see you. I see you. (laughs) I see you, your brother, your dad, everyone. I see the whole family. (laughs) So if you, if you have, you know, if you have a mindset like Chris, where you're like, I'm never going to have kids. I get everything I need out of my friends and family. Do you ever feel like you're, I don't know. Like I, I, I think once you hit a certain age, you kind of need, even if it's not your own spawn, to say that again, but just to have very young people around That's you right. in general to sort of like for that last, you know, the the back nine of your life to keep to keep that part of your your mental situation stimulated. Well, but we're talking so big here. Like everyone's lives is their business, <laughs> and how they find joy and radicalness and all that is like completely different, right? And my life. I would hate to uh, present it as any kind of model. Um, there's so many different ways. I would say, okay, but but to answer your question from a personal place, from my perspective, from me, yeah. um, not just having kids around and, and people, but like older people too. So I'm into that mm. personally. I'm just down with all that. As as long as you're patient to to deal with talking to an old person or a really young person there's so much knowledge that old people have i'm concerned jason that maybe i don't have that patience yeah you know you don't i, I don't know you if don't. My, one of my best friends is a 75 year old woman who's so much smarter and sharper and funnier than i am and one of my other best friends is my kid who's so much sharper and funnier and smarter than i am so and then i have some of my best friends i have some best friends who don't want either and are doing rad with without either. Even if you have a seventy-five-year-old friend who's a fucking idiot, there's still so much more that they know about the world than you do just by just by absorption of time and proxy. That's you know? true. And and I'm just let's let's get spiritual here. Yep. I've come to believe that age is not chronological. It's not like something you phase out. Like there's the younger versions of you still circling around in there, mm-hmm. and they get brought forth at different times, or they color the way you. Feel about things like I really. I just went to. I've been hanging out in New Orleans too much, mm-hmm. so like all these all these concepts are really like. I just met an artist who does not believe in time or in chrono- chrono- chronological time, linear time, <clears throat> and, and lives a let's, 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 lives a life. Is, uh, this like is that. the Nolans five o'clock that. somewhere philosophy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it de- like it. it's trippier than that, and I was really taken by this person. They also have an astral dog, and they don't. They try to live without binaries of every any kind, and this is their practice, and it's very real. Okay. And when you're with us, when you're with this person, you just feel like you're on acid in the best way because you're like, Mike, hold on one second, hold on one second. We need to clear up this person's financial situation. Uh, see, that's the other great thing. See, in New Orleans, you need like you need like a nickel a day to get by. Because <laughs> I'm smelling, I'm smelling either filthy rich or dirt poor, not in between. There's only two ways Chris, to live. Chris, like this. the best part about having an astral dog, you don't have to buy any kibble for him. That's a good yeah. point. That's a good point. You're saving money in one place. There's a whole thing called bartending, which works out for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of that uh, as a career option. I've heard oh, of that. It's a, yeah, it's a side gig. I, I'm about to be there in a minute. So, um, <laughs> anyways, I really believe that. I don't believe that. The more, the older I get, the more I feel like all our ages are just kind of like hibernating or just coexisting or in there. Mm-hmm. And and they're very alive and mm-hmm. uh, like I'm saying that I'm thinking this very specific friend who's in their 70s who's way punker than I am in a, in a way that, that like, I really admire and enjoy hanging out with. And my kid is very funnily 
I was asking my kid, this people like this. So I was asking my kid, so all the reviews and all that shit's coming out in the movie, right? And you, mm-hmm. and even if you try to be Buddha, you just can't, right? You just get a little caught up in it. <clears throat> Although I'm pretty good. I haven't read anything and I'm I'm living in a weird bubble. But I was I was just joking around my kid. I was like, so what do you think the review's gonna be like? Because my kid likes to talk about film world stuff. <laughs> and what do you think the review's gonna be like? And they go, they sat there and they go, they thought for beating and they go, 50-50. <laughs> I was like, whoa, 50-50. <laughs> maybe my film's a little better than that. Maybe it'll, maybe, you know, it's like, maybe there's something kind of <laughs> undeniable about it. I don't know. I'm joking. And my kid goes, no, no, Mike, you don't understand. 50-50, because it doesn't, it has nothing to do with how good or bad your film is. It's just like rolling dice. It's 50-50. And I was like, whoa, that's deep. Like, how did you know that? <laughs> That that's well, very deep. I mean, have you always been able to avoid the reviews, or is this something you've come to with age? So I really enjoy. I actually enjoy doing press. Like, there's a point when it gets to be too much, just because you you're just talking too much. But it, to me, it's like part of the film process. It's kind of how I know the film got done. So many journalists, people I meet, I feel kind of similar to. Like, yeah. we like movies and culture and like talking, and it's like it feels comfortable and like and kind of an honor to like have anyone want to fucking witness you, talk to you, blah, blah, blah. It's like a good privilege. Mm-hmm. It's a privilege. So I'm, I'm down with all that. And then like I've last time I read last time I decided to be kind of ambitious with 20th century woman. Cause I'm really not super ambitious in some ways. And I was like, fuck it. You only live once. I'm going to go for it. I want a profile. I want to, I want to get into the game. I want the whole mm-hmm. thing. You know, I'm going to be brave enough to admit all that. I want to go on Ellen. And so I read, a, yeah. I read a lot more stuff and I read like where you are on the award circuit a lot. I got into it all just also you can be informed when you're talking to your distributor, blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know, and, and you learn a lot of stuff. There's some really bad reviews that I thought about a lot. <laughs> like Richard Brody called me, called me sententious. Is that the word? And I, at first I thought, wow, did Richard Brody, who always hates me, did he um, compliment me? I had to look up the word. And he would just be laughing his brains out right now. It's, it's one of the most, it's one of the most nasty things you could say to someone. It's like, you're just so pretentious and high and up. Just like a kid said, well, a word like that, 50, 50 chance is going to be good or bad. <laughs> exactly. So we got like, to look at, we have to look it up. It's like, it's like when you're, it's like, um, it's like preachy in the highest order. And when you're talking down, this is about, this is about 20th century my dialogue and just, yeah, me in general. Okay. Yeah. I, I just, the Webster's calls sententious given to moralizing yeah. in a pompous or affected manner. That's me. That's me. <laughs> so, I mean, how fucked up? Like I'm a shy person kind of like less and less, but like that hurt. You know, that's embarrassing. That's and kind of right on. <laughs> I have a quality. I can do that sometimes. I fucking I, it's embarrassing as hell. But like that's that's the beauty of a challenging review to you is exactly. those the ones I heard the most are the ones that I'm going to say it's a little sententious to call me sententious. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> but but whatever it was, there was some accuracy there. And, and so that was kind of chilling and gnarly and interesting. But but here's the thing that's poisonous I think most people don't realize is even having good things described or things that worked described mm-hmm. or your talent described, that's kind of slightly poisonous to getting it's really wonderful and please keep doing it, everyone. But <laughs> but it like when you get back to trying to write, it is really counter 
to the creative space you need to be in to write. Yeah. Cause like to write, you need to not know what you're doing. You need to accept that you failed completely. You got to just like live in failure. It's all over. You're done, you know, and now go forward just because you want to and you have to, you know, Yeah. and the whole cycle is a little opposite of that. It's like you keep like to you guys, you know, I could talk as if I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I talk as if I know what my film's about. And it's most interesting when I don't know what I'm doing, when I don't know what my film's about. And that's where you have to be to start. So it's like every step you take into the jungle of press, it's like four steps back out to like where you can go make something again. That makes sense? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, nothing, nothing makes me do a better podcast than yesterday's podcast being awful, you know? Right, right, right. I, I thought yesterday's podcast was pretty good, to be honest, but that's 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 fine. It was. <laughs> so today sucks. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, uh, speaking of podcasting, the uh, the main character is, is always recording audio, uh, interviewing children, interviewing people, and doing a lot of field recording of stuff. Mm. Is is it and it never really shows exactly what it's for, mm-hmm. maybe unless uh, unless I miss that. But is it safe no, to it say, is it safe to say that Joaquin is a podcaster in this movie? <laughs> I think well, so being how old he is, I talked a lot about this. Sure, sure. And I like I I love podcasts and I love radio stuff and I just love the audio world. Yeah, and that's how that got into this. I think the grass is greener. I kind of wish I had like an iron glass life. Often, you know, I was getting a lot of this American life with the. In that style of radio journalism, or like, or like, just studs Turkle in general. Oh, so we've studs been, working a classic. We've talked about working a lot, actually. Uh, just, so that uh, would, and that really connected with Joaquin, and also just studs vibe, his the way he dresses, the way. If you've seen videos of him doing yeah, interviews, yeah, that yeah, yeah, that was really helpful to Joaquin. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I think of him more. That should, I think his generation, like he's, if he's as old as Joaquin is, and as kind of well off enough in the radio world to like have a show like that. So he's from that, he's from WNYC radio, radio world. Yeah. Like he came up through NPR and he, now he found his more sort of arty thing where he gets to do sort of like a Scott Courier thing. That was clear. That came across what you're describing. That's like the, the, the lineage. That's cool. Like, and I talked like I'm friends with like, um, Starly Kine and she kind of helped me like plot out like all of the references of how he got to be where he is, you know? Mm-hmm. Kari Pitkin helped us make the movie. That was another, and obviously Molly Webster, you know, is a radio lab person, not an actor that all helped. But so Ira recommended, I look at Scott Courier. And once I heard him, I was like, Oh, of course I know that voice. Yeah. But, um, and that really helped Joaquin. Joaquin loved him. And that thing of like recording alone, like kind of doing like a, his own sort of mem- journal, whatever yeah. into the mic. Mm-hmm. Um, that was Joaquin's idea and it came from Joaquin listening to Scott Courier stuff and some old ones where he's talking about his own diagnosis and he's doing like a piece of reporting, but it's like really wildly personal and it's all delivered in that kind of flat Scott Courier way. So that was a really neat piece of serendipity or whatever. It really worked. The, the self recording, like, diary stuff really works it really like moves the story along in a nice way you know what i mean oh, that's cool like it's yeah it's private but if you feel like i mean it's pri- it's it, you feel like you're really seeing something you shouldn't see yeah you know in a, in a lot of ways which is mm-hmm. even though it's intended to be heard later on i think the process of recording it yeah is more intimate and more intimate than hearing it, it makes maybe. the the narration less ham-fisted perhaps mm. yeah 
I wanted to ask about the kids though. Like, what's yeah. up with all these kids, bro? Are they real kids? Like, what's the, vi- what's the vibe? They're they're not animatronic. They're um, <laughs> but the claymation is insane. The claymation <laughs> budget was insane. Um, they are they are non actors that are from the cities that we shot in, and we would usually make Kari pick and would go ahead of us yeah. and like make a connection, usually with a school. So it was like the Bog School in Detroit, which is this amazing place, and the Homer Plessy in um, New Orleans, which is another just sort of amazing community school situation. And I had a bunch of questions, but like, you know, like any interview, Joaquin would, Joaquin's really good at doing interviews or just really good at like being in with someone, mm-hmm. like the energy of being connected with someone. And, and Joaquin had this hand, this hurdle to get over of like, I don't know, 20% of the kids are like, you're the joker. And like, when Joaquin walks in the room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Joaquin had to like, do like, do like a full, I'm not the, I'm not the droid you're looking for. Like really it's not hard. The joker. It's just joker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's tough. Uh, so Joaquin had to do this like, oh, that's cool. Let's talk about that later. And then get right into it. And, and, but was, I think it was both just Joaquin's soul, Joaquin's particular personality, Joaquin's sensitivity to power and power inequity, Joaquin's real, real love of kids mm-hmm. and um and also his powers as an actor he was able to kind of and just yeah. be there mm-hmm. and it was really lovely to watch because we were debating that my girlfriend and i were debating i'm like i feel like some of these are real but maybe there's a couple ringers in here i don't know no, no. you know those are all those are all totally unscripted so there's one girl at the very beginning she's in detroit blonde girl she she does have an acting background, but then we didn't do any of the lines. We just interviewed her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everyone else isn't even that. They're just like kids from those schools. Well, go, going back to the first point I made about this film sort of making me jealous of other people's childhoods, that watching those little scenes of interviewing the, you know, the future of our humanity, it, it's one of the only things I could really be hopeful about, about the future of the, our Earth is just like how mm. how much mm-hmm. more exponentially emotionally advanced they are with communication and just getting the ideas across it was so nice to see you know a fucking 12 year old kid just be so aware of their own emotions and what they need to be doing in life the kid the kid who said like his mom told him he couldn't cry that was fucking rough bro that was fucking rough elvis is amazing it's his name is elvis with an e (laughs) and he he lives in that very he lives in deep chinatown with his you know like he described another piece like i am chinese american my parents are chinese Mm -hmm. um because he was born here and he's growing up, yeah, with a, just an utterly different world than the one I know. And it's so articulate. What I really wanted to do with those kids, too, they're not like debate team champs or anything like that, too. And most of they're like charter or public schools that we, that were our focus. And yeah, but so articulate, right? Or just so willing also to be vulnerable, to make themselves vulnerable. Like the Elvis thing about talking about how he wants to cry and like kind of yeah. confronting his mom about that. Like, so brave and right on like that he that he could find the words right usually when you're that upset or mad you can't find the words and yeah and they all connect i also find that that is partly enabled by joaquin and molly's you know like holding it for them um but i i adore that i love i could do that forever too i have to say if i could i could make that that part of the movie forever and ever and ever 
You should get into podcasting then, Mike. <laughs> How do you get the visual part, though? That's the part I don't understand. <laughs> That's the beauty of it, bro. Do you pay no extra? Because every time I, you know, the podcast. Check out Joe Rogan. He's got it figured out. You know what I mean? He's got the, <laughs> okay. he's got the visuals figured out. But even, even though this, this film, you know, it's a beautifully shot, very picturesque black and white film. You know, you obviously have a, a, an amazing eye for capturing cities in the perfect light in the perfect moment and an atmosphere and spirit, but it's also a film that you could watch or that you could enjoy without any visual at all. It could, it could be a book on tape mm-hmm. that you walk around a park and listen to it. <laughs> and it would, no, that's true. It, you would get your way through it. <laughs> that's funny. Let's, that's funny. Let's release the movie as a podcast. Just an idea. I, I like it. You know, yeah. I don't want to step on a 24s toes. I don't know what your deal looks like. Yeah. We have well, some we might, deals. We over might here. be able to make some money. If we do that. Well, we got multiple revenue streams. This whole theatrical releasing. I'm not sure it's going to work out, but you guys, supposedly podcasts are where all the money is, right? Uh-huh. You guys cashed in. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We're very big on making money, but no, I think that the, I think this movie, I was trying to describe it to someone, my, my trainer this morning. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? It's, it's, it's one of the, it's, it's, really emotional but it's not sad and i think that's a nice line to walk where it's like it it pulls in the heartstrings in this way but you're never it's more hopeful than it is sad mm. which is a nice emotion to feel i think when you watch a, a, a movie i think i think it is a lot just all that kid energy right which is totally buoyant this is more buoyant a couple more questions as we're as we're finishing up there's a, a few scenes in the film where where a child gets lost. Yeah. Is that something that has happened to you in your life? Or what is, is there any significance to, to that? To, to the lost child? Well, the child doesn't get lost. The child hides. And the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, multiple, in multiple scenes in the film, Joaquin is feverishly chasing down a, a child that he can't find. Right. But the child hid from him. I see. For one time. Power move. I think for both. Well, their time was a bit of a runaway. I'm, I'm telling you what happened <laughs> in, in, your, in your movie that you wrote and directed. Well, the, the, the director's intentions don't mean much, but um, that's right. It's uh, all on the viewer. Jason. I'm a member of the press, Mike. We're equals on this. My first job. My first job. I often say this was at McDonald's, and they taught you that the customer is always right, and I really believe that totally comes into filmmaking. I like that. Um, but I like that. Um, yeah, no, that totally happened. Okay, to me. Uh, my kid still likes to do that. Um, and, um, it, it doesn't quite go, it doesn't get quite as dramatic, but no, I've, in, in London, we, we had a crazy, I had an experience where, where I, one of those big parks in the summer with a lot of people like Hyde Park or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, when you look any which way, there's hundreds of people. And when I finally caught up with my kid, I was losing it and they thought it was such a good time. <laughs> so funny and what a ride. Like, what a great ever ride. Do like, that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, they're oh, just wow. laughing. Yeah. Look at your you fucking face, Dad. Pretty much. Damn, Dad, you're you're all sweaty and shit. Come yeah. on, dog. Yeah. <laughs> no, the ride the ride I gave them was really high level. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, it kind of shows you power, right? Power dynamics are so interesting and not what you think they're going to be. And kids really have so much power over you. Like when you have a kid, Mm -hmm. your vulnerability ties, you just like 50 ropes just went out from your neck to like everything that can go wrong in your life, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, your kid kind of knows that in some ways. (laughs) And if they're just like exploring the world, exploring power, exploring emotionality, exploring intensity, that's a pretty big red button that's just kind of sitting there. Like freak out parent with your own <laughs> demise. You know, burr, burr, burr. 
and it's kind of really you could. It, I find it interesting, like why someone does that. What's the underlying need? What's the underlying exploration exploration that's going on? And it's not just kind of silly. It's not just like spoiled or anything like that. It's it's like life. It's like us figuring out life. Every child does something like that. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Like the orphan thing that's part of the film, yeah. like this wanting to be an orphan story. So that came from Aaron Dessner's kid. Aaron did the score with me, one of the members of the National. And Aaron's daughter, Ingrid, does that game exactly. So I, I took it. I asked Ingrid and took it exactly. What can't the National do? <laughs> I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell them that. That's funny. Um, yeah, the or, the orphan bit at first, I was like, this is a little. I don't. It wasn't questionable, but I was like, I don't know if this is going in a sinister direction. But then at the end of it, I was like, what a what a beautiful way to sort of pop that membrane and uh, and have a, a really deep emotional conversation with uh, a child and a parent. Just walking around with that story and whatever the script. So many people, either the kids or the parents, are like, "Oh my god, my kid does that! My really? kid does that!" That's and, something I'd never yeah. heard of ever before. Yeah, me it's like, a, me it's like kids playing on this kind of Jungian level mm-hmm. about like, "What is my situation?" You know what I mean? And what if it was other? And I think that um, we all, even even parents who like think they're like so kid pro kid, underestimate the depth of child's play, or what's going on. Like, and it is about. It can be about grief. It can be about what if you were dead? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what if I didn't have parents? Or what if I was dead? What would you Just do? Just the white stuff. Yeah. No, they're fully there for it. Well, well, lastly, you, it was amazing that you had a film starring Joaquin Phoenix, arguably one of the greatest actors to ever live on planet earth. Right. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. But also, you know, yeah. okay. it's the first okay. time I've <laughs> ever seen a film starring Joaquin Phoenix where he was out acted by somebody and how amazing that is that he was outacted by a, a fucking nine-year-old. Uh, he loves it. I'm sure he loves it. I'm sure he loves it. He would have it no other way. Yeah, no, he definitely, you know, Joaquin was a kid actor. And yeah. Joaquin is, you know, it's one of those people that like really, I don't know, t- treats everyone pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. It's a game for it, right? Yeah, yeah. And then Woody is a, obviously a deep person with a lot very funny too. I mean, they connected just because Joaquin makes a joke. Woody's right there with a comeback. Mm-hmm. Like we were just doing a couple of weeks ago, we did um, um, prep, like the red carpet thing, you know, and the pictures and especially right now in a pandemic, it all feels like there's no filming in these cameras. These pictures aren't going away. This is, <laughs> we, we understand what this is for, right? These actors just need it. Let's just do it. Yeah, you, you're doing it for me, <laughs> for my vanity. Um, um, and Joaquin just jokingly said like, oh, I hate myself. And without, Missing a millisecond, but he's like, I would too, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that therein lies, therein lies their love for each other. Like, bang. That's good. Like, like, like you're that. gonna, you're gonna be there. I'm gonna throw the ball. I'm gonna do a blind toss and you're gonna catch it every time. That's how they, that's what they were like with each other. It's beautiful to watch, isn't it? Yeah. Before, yeah. La- the f- last thing I just have to ask, you know, Dime Square, the popular New York neighborhood plays a role in this movie. How aware of you? of the cultural significance of that choice that you made, you know? Which cultural, like, it's hips. Or, or, or yeah, it's the it's the number one. Yeah, it's yeah. The, it's it's the epicenter of downtown New York. You haven't lived there in twenty years, but you're still got your finger on the pulse. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, that's something. Um, <laughs> okay, it's an amazing. Okay, let's just talk about it. It's an amazing. You've been there, right? It's oh, a crazy. I've been, I've been there. What kind of don't disrespect my own podcast? Yeah, okay. Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> okay, well, let's get dimes tattoos together after this. But anyways, uh, it's a crazy intersection. It's like the angles of the streets. Like you can see, because I yeah. wanted to see the Manhattan Bridge as often as I could. Oh, I see. Okay, okay, okay. So you Bridge have that one line, and then you got the canal line, and then you got that triangle. So you yeah. have a room for him to get lost. You can run all the way over towards that Seward Park. Is that Seward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. the name of that park? Seward Park is the one with the shitty tennis courts right there, like ne- next on the corner. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we run all the way to there, and then we run all the way back. So like, if you think about it, it's a great film set. Like it has all these different angles. Mm-hmm. I just go there. I just go there to see hotties drinking coffee. Mike's got a the, Mike's got a whole other mm-hmm. plan for I this. Got work, man. I have, I have like <laughs> film history. Film history is going on there, not the hotties. I, I go there uh, to practice my heel flips, and Mike has. A, but, but Mike's got mouths to feed. He's got a whole crew. Depending on it's yeah. very different. It's very uh, different. Damn. Yeah. I thought it, you just liked acai bowls like me, but you're, you're playing. You're playing <laughs> well, with a different deck. Obviously, any anywhere I go, anything I do, anything I wear, anything I say is completely incriminating on this hipster tip. So let's <laughs> let's like let's acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's different. It's di- I badly. Feel like you, I don't no, want I, to be. I give you a pass though, because you've been you've been around so long that you get a pass. Like if you, I'm if, old. You just gave me the old pass. Wow. No, but no. You've earned a respect where it's like this guy can do whatever the fuck he wants because he was there for all of it. It's different. It really is. It really is different. Let us know what you want engraved on your Rolex. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Dimes. Just say dimes. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mike. Well, uh, well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk yeah. to us. Come on, come on. Is available theatrically and online is that correct sure sure uh, soon google come on come on it's a beautiful film mike's made other movies mike's made mike designed fucking album covers for air you can see his shit everywhere you know what sexy I mean? boy but, yeah, mike on. miller's sexy boy <laughs> <laughs> and half the people half the people are gonna think this whole time you've been talking to the bassist from rem which is cool <laughs> uh, no 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 nah, we're, ho- we're holding out we're holding out for stipe don't worry we're not that kind of podcast all right thanks mike um, we'll talk to you soon that was fun yeah good luck thanks guys i'm so happy because today from my friends you're in my head i'm so ugly that's okay because so are you Every day for all I care I'm not scared Light my candles In our days Cause I found God I can't wait.